Welcome to Express Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We are a ministry of Arizona Message Ministry, the message to the number two dot US. We are supported financially by HaribouBooks.com. Make sure you go on there, buy some of the books that are there, donate them to your school, donate them to your church, donate them to your library so we can get the message of hope and the message of encouragement out. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to the Express Church Experience. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I know Thanksgiving was a few days ago, but I think that we should continue to say Happy Thanksgiving. It shouldn't be a season. It should be a mentality, a way of life, our daily occurrence, a constant reminder of how blessed we are. We should just continue to say Thanksgiving and Happy Thanksgiving and Pray to God and thank God for the blessings that he has given us, especially in 2020. As I sit and talk to people, hear what they have to say. People say 2020 was different for a lot of people, not just in the smaller gatherings of Thanksgiving, but it has been different for the whole year since the pandemic started. And I was reading in the Bible and I read 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. And when I was reading it, I said, this describes 2020. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 11 is a 2020 sentiment. And it reads, we are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, There's a whole lot of folks who are under great pressure, far beyond what they thought would ever happen to them. Paul continues on. He says that we despair even of life. Indeed, our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. And when I read that, I had to read that again. We are under great pressure. Pressure beyond what we can endure so that we, we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. He has delivered us from the deadly peril and he, and he will deliver us in the future. On him, we set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then... I always like how Paul, he wants to, he gets all the whole argument down. And then we get to the conclusion. And the conclusion is then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in the answering of the prayers of many. Then many will give thanks. Many will give thanks when they see the gracious favor that the Lord has put on the people who pray to him. And I'm hoping that in 2021, people will look at you and they'll say, why did such great things happen to you during the 2020 pandemic? And then you can respond and say, then many will give thanks on behalf of the great favor that God has given us when he answered our prayers. We are under great pressure Quoting 
the Apostle Paul. Indeed, our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. This coronavirus pandemic, we are feeling the pressure of the sentence of death. At least, if not completely the sentence of death, at least the risk of grave illness. And as I look back on 2020 and the great impact it has on my life as a lawyer and a person who deals what I call the world of words, I started thinking about all the words and the phrases that have come about in 2020 simply because of the coronavirus pandemic. There's, there's three words right there, coronavirus, pandemic, COVID-19. Those words we didn't use in 2019, shelter in place. I didn't ever knew what that phrase meant, shelter in place, self-quarantine. I always said our, the people used to say I'm self-quarantine if they just wanted to stay away from people and didn't want to get around folks. They said I'm self-quarantine. How about flat line? Flat line, the curve. Stop the, the spread from going up. Super spreaders. We are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we may that so that we despaired even of life. That is the description the Apostle Paul had to define his predicament predicament under great pressure. How does the ability for us to endure? To similar to Paul's, continuing on some of these words to try to get a, the feel of where we are in 2020. Doom scrolling. I didn't know what doom scrolling was until the pandemic where people keep looking for negative news and it changes their behavior and it results in increasing fear and people too afraid to leave their house locked in their own house for fear of dying, but in locked in their own house, unable to live. We are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despair even of life. In the, and beyond our ability to endure, that with the great pressure has led to mask shaming, both sides. One saying you're bad if you wear a mask because you're afraid, uh, and the other saying that you're bad if you don't wear a mask because you're trying to get others sick. We have government leaders stuck trying to figure out how to govern, how to balance the competing interests, how to deal with the physical, mental, emotional, and financial uh, impact of coronavirus. We're looking at 2020, and, I, and just to let you know, we only have 33 days left of 2020, and then we go to what everybody's hoping is 2021, a new life, a new era, putting 2020 and the coronavirus behind us, although some of the experts say it's going to be with us until uh, we get a uh, get it under control. And But we need to start getting ready for the possibility that the 2021 pandemic may be con a continuation and may be worse than 2020. And as we think about it being worse than 2020, we can, we can understand that we are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. What we've done and what the path that many people have been on for 2020 has not relieved the pressure that has been on them. And I'm going to ask you today, if you have not been able to relieve the pressure 
that has been on you because of the pandemic, have you been praying enough? Have you been praying enough? If you're struggling saying, I can't believe what has happened to me, I wish it would go away. The Apostle Paul said that we have relied on the, the, the uh, prayers and, and relied on God so that we did not rely on ourselves, so that the, then people will see our great favor and then they will then want to lift up God the same way that we lifted up God in our prayers. So if you're still struggling under great pressure, far beyond your ability to endure so that you despair even to the despair of the life that you have, then it might be time to make a different change. We've gone from March all the way almost to December in the pandemic. And if you're still in that same scenario that the Apostle Paul said, far beyond your ability to endure, maybe it's time that you, you go on to your knees and pray. That's just going to be a suggestion. So I've had to think myself and people might want to wonder what Paul was pressure he was under when he made that statement. So you can kind of get a feel of how his pressure and his circumstance compared to what you're facing right now. So I'm going to give you a little historical context behind the why he was writing to the church of Corinth and how we got to where we are. So when we look at the, the first, the second letter to Corinth, we have 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, but there was actually, to some theologians believe, three or four letters actually written and two are missing. And they, they base that, if you go to 1 Corinthians 5, 9, and 11, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, and 11, as we get the historical context of what was going on in Corinth, what was going on with Paul where he was, why everybody was under such great pressure, Paul says, I have written to you in my letter to not associate with the immoral people. Do not, not at all, meaning the people of this world who are immoral who have sexual immoralities, the greedy, swindlers, and idolaters. He said, in that case, you would, not, you would have to leave the world. He's saying that you have to separate yourself from the world. And then in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, 11, he's adding to what he wrote in the previous letter that is not part of God's holy word. He said, but now I'm writing that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is immoral or greedy, idolater, swindler, drunkard, or swindler. With such a person, do not even eat. Looking at 1 Corinthians 5, 9, we see though even though that is considered the first letter to the Corinthians, it was actually the second letter that Paul wrote to them. Gets a little confusing because 1 Corinthians is the second letter and 2 Corinthians is the fourth letter. But I like what Paul said, and, and maybe as I'm thinking about lifestyle changes, directional changes going on during the pandemic, Paul said there's two types of people you want to stay away from. Those who are immoral in, in the world that aren't in the church, but also those who are immoral inside the church, who put on airs of righteousness, whose, whose life is different from those who 
who are really followers of God. And I started going through that. Paul says to stay away from those who attend church service, but cheat their workers on Monday. Paul says to stay away from those who attend church on Sunday, but lie and cheat on Wednesday. Paul says to stay away from those who attend church on Sunday, but get drunk and gamble on Friday. Paul says to stay away from those who attend church on Sunday, but slander and swindle on Saturday. Paul says that the group that we should be associating with should be a very small group, a group that follows the path of righteousness for his name's sake, for God's glory only. And that's the group that should be coming together in prayer, lifting up the name of Jesus in a time of trouble when we're under great pressure, pressure greater than what we can endure. We need to have that same group that, that separates themselves to come together. If, even if we can't come together in person, we should come together in an, like the Express Church experience, putting our prayers together, lifting them up on Sunday, join United, praying for our country, praying for our respective states, praying for the government, our government that's stuck trying to figure out how to govern. We have uh, political leaders who will, who will set a standard that children can eat in the lunchroom in a collective of 100 or maybe even more than 100. But then at Thanksgiving, when you're trying to gather it with, as a family, trying to, to say, give thanks to each other, for, give thanks to God for each other, then our government officials say that has to be limited to 10. I'm just not criticizing them because they're in a difficult situation. But we need to understand that we are under great pressure. Paul starts his second letter to the Corinthians by saying, for just as the suffering of Christ flowed over our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. For just as the suffering of Christ flows over our life, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. And that's 2 Corinthians 1 and 5. And to understand the suffering that Paul's talking about, the Greek word that he used in this context is the same Greek word that Peter used. And as we see, we're going again, as like I like to do, is, is have the Bible be like a weaved basket to give us strength. We went 1 Corinthians, the letter before 1 Corinthians. We went to uh, 2 Corinthians. We're put, putting each, all these together so that we can have a foundation to stand on, a have strong footing on God's holy word that will give us uh, strength and give us balance when we're under great pressure. Paul and Peter used the word suffering. And Paul, Peter and 1 Peter 5 said, I appeal to you as fellow elders and a witness of Christ's suffering. The suffering that Paul and Peter are talking about, the same suffering that Jesus had was in Matthew. When Matthew's gospel said then, Jesus said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow 
to the point of death. That's great sorrow. I don't know if the pandemic has pushed you to that limit, but if it has, I don't know if being separated from your loved ones has pushed you to that limit. I don't know if the doom scrolling and getting all the negative information and getting you riled up in fear has put you to that point where your soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, where you have had the overflowing of the same suffering that Christ Jesus had. I'm trying to understand what Paul was going through to have that much sorrow and suffering. We understand that he was, he was put in prison multiple times. He was beaten multiple times. He was chased multiple times. And then in Acts 19, uh, starting at verse 23, we see how, how there was what was called a great riot that happened in Ephesus. And it happened because the, the people had a industry where they made shrines to Artemis and they were getting no business. Their business was going away because of the people following Christ Jesus. And I'm looking at 2020 and people are complaining now because of the governmental impact. My business is going away. It's talking the same way that Demetrius was talking in the first century. We need to get rid of the policies and the direction that the people are going in because we are losing money. It's negatively affecting the local economy. I can hear Demetrius saying the same thing that people are saying today. If things don't change, we'll go broke. And then they said we got to get rid of Paul in order to get our life back the way it was. With the great opposition, Paul said we are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despair even of life. One commentator called Acts 9.23 a mob of indignant citizens. I think if we look back on 2020 and we look at how much hostility and tension went on during 2020, only 33 days left before we get out of it, we, we can see that there has been mobs of indignant citizens. Another called it the riot of Ephesus. Paul simply said we are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. The, per, the Paul's purpose in sharing his information about his suffering was to share his experience in his walk with Christ. I want to say that again. Paul shared his experience of his suffering so that people could share in his walk with Christ. People could share his understanding and his devotion to relying on the power of God to give him comfort to, to those who are also in trouble and to let each other know that the troubles don't define us. Our situation that we're in doesn't define us. If we had coronavirus, it doesn't define us. If we didn't have coronavirus, it doesn't define us. If we lost our job because of coronavirus, it doesn't define us. If we, are, if we had to take a job that we didn't want to take, that doesn't define us. If we are unwilling to join large groups during the holidays, that doesn't define us. If we, on the other hand, want to come and fellowship in the name of Jesus together, that doesn't make us non-Christian. That doesn't make us anti-American. It doesn't define us. The only thing that defines us 
is if we, like the Apostle Paul said, who do not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead, he has delivered us from a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that we will continue to be delivered. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted to us in the answer of the prayers of, of many. That's what defines us. What defines us is whether we put where we place our hope. I want to say that again. What defines us is where we place our hope. And so as we, we're riding out, some of us trying to run as fast as we can out of 2020. This week, we, we move into December. The last week, 33 days, 32, 33 days, we're in New Year's Eve. I was thinking about that. The ball usually drops in New York City with a great crowd. They're probably not going to have that crowd this year. But we still, as we get ready to go to 2021, I think you should ask yourself, who do you put your hope in? Who do you put your hope in? For me, I'm going to put my hope in Christ Jesus. And the reason why I'm going to put my hope in Christ Jesus is because I know from past events, when I was in trouble and I was struggling, Jesus came and gave me comfort. I know in past situations, when I really needed some, somebody to come in, I prayed and God delivered. There's many incidents that I have that I could spend hours talking about, but one came to mind. I'm going to take you to 2005. And in 2005, I had, it was a year after I moved from Minnesota to Arizona. I left a job with a, in a law office, with a corner office, in a, inside one of the greatest corporations at that time. And I, when I tell this testimony, I, I say that I can't, I never got permission to use the name of the company. So I'm just going to give you the initials of the company, GE. So I worked for this company with the initials GE, and I wound up leaving and coming to Arizona. And then I was in Arizona and, and didn't have a job. But I'm going to take you back. As I was leaving out of the company, and they said that, that they were right-sizing, because big companies don't downsize because that's too negative. And they said we're right-sizing, and there's more to that testimony that, than backstory on that. But they said that we're, gonna, we're going to pay you for, to get a degree, to, to go, pay you to go to school as long as it leads to a degree. So in essence, being right-sized was the right thing because it was God's plan. So I leave out of this job when GE pays for my seminary school. And then after a year, I was looking at my bank account because I hadn't worked, still had the bills. At that time, I owned two condominiums in Arizona. And a friend of mine came to me, and, I, and the number still sticks with me, $27.48. I'll stick, that number will stick forever. $27.48. That's how much money was in the bank account that I was, in my, what I call my operations fund. 
So in my operations fund, I had $27.48 with no job. And as that money kept dwindling down from the operations fund, I kept praying to God saying, God, you had me come this way. Leave Minnesota. I went to my, to my pastor mentor from the seminary and I said, I think I'm going back home. I'm going back home because what is happening here is, as Paul said, pressure beyond what I can endure. But I know if I go back to Minnesota, I know enough people where I can get a job. My pastor mentor at that time, he looked at me and asked a question. He said, did you did you finish what God sent you to Arizona to do? Did you finish what God sent you to Arizona to do? And I looked at him and I was and, and didn't have any, didn't even answer because he knew the answer to the question and I knew the answer to the question. So I continued to have the money dwindle. I got down to $27.48. I had uh, my mortgage to pay on my condo, the utilities, and I knew there was no way with $27.48 I was going to be able to do that. A friend of mine came and he said, did you hear what just happened? Oh, man, I love when, when God comes in. God comes in, and I'm going to recite Isaiah 64 for just a second just so that you can kind of understand where I was and where my position is during this, this pressure beyond what we can endure. In Isaiah 64, 3 and 4, Isaiah talks about God. And he says, for when you did awesome things that we did not expect. And the reason why I got to go to Isaiah 64 is because on that day, when I'm getting ready to finish the story, the God, God did awesome things that I never expect. When you came down and the mountains trembled before you. And at that situation, I had a, an insurmountable mountain. One that I couldn't figure out how to get around, get over, or get through. I didn't know how I was going to pay the mortgage at that time. How I was going to keep the lights on at that time. How I was going to buy food at that time. That was the mountain's that I had, but when the glory of God came down, the mountains trembled before you, Isaiah says. Since I want somebody to, to focus in right now at what Isaiah said in Isaiah 64, 3 and 4. We're at verse 4. He says, Since ancient times, and I'm gonna add to it, because I always like to add a couple of, of present words, since the ancient times until today. In November 2020, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, and no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. No one has seen any God like our God who has done awesome deeds that we do not expect who have had the mountains that are causing us the pressure that we're under. No one has seen the God besides our God who acts on behalf of those who wait for them. So I was in prayer and each time I prayed, I felt the, the spirit of God talking to me saying, do you trust me? Yes, I trust you. But why am I in this situation? Do you trust me? And see, God had to get to the point where Paul was talking about when he said, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted to us 
and the answering the prayers of many. On that day, remember I said somebody came to me and said, did you hear what just happened? In the complex that I lived in, a guy just sold a condo that was for twice as much as I bought either one of my condominiums for. When I heard that news, I just stopped for a minute and I said, now, Lord, I understand what's about ready to happen. So then I thought about putting one condominium up for sale and using the money off of that to keep on what I was doing. But then I get a call from the realtor and the realtor said, I got some good news for you and I got some bad news for you. I'm always a good news type of person. So I said, what's the good news? He said, I got a, I have a buyer for your condo. All right, that's the good news. What's the bad news? He did his research on the condominium complex and realized that you own two of them. And he said the only way he will buy one is if he can buy both of them. And he's going to give you, and this is in 2005, he said, and he's going to give you a quarter million dollars to take the condos. Now, I don't know what kind of pressure you're under today. If you're under pressure to the point that you can no longer endure, if you're under pressure, pressure to the point, as Paul said, that the peril of death, death of your finances or death of your relationships or death of your way of life, death of your hope that you had on things that you used to do, If you're at that point, if you're at the point where you have mountains in front of you and you can't get over them because of what is going on, then you can be at a situation where you can where where you have the suffering and sorrow that Paul spoke about, that Peter spoke about. And then you get to that situation. I know if I get there, I'm going to remember what God did in 2005. And I know what he did in 2005, he can do in 2020. Oh, man. See, usually in church right then, I, I usually give me an amen or a hallelujah or something. But I'm hoping that somebody who hears that, and I'm going to say it again. If God and my mother who comes on video, she's holding up her hand. She's, she's joining in, understanding that when you put your hope in Jesus, that Jesus will deliver you in an unexpected way. And so what we have to do during this time, this last month, the last couple of days of Thanksgiving month is continue to be in Thanksgiving to the Lord. And I'm wondering if anybody else is going to have a similar testimony that they want to share where they face insurmountable obstacles and mountains and called on the name of Jesus and, and had the faith that Isaiah had understanding that God does miracles every day. I love when I wake up in the morning because I know it's another miracle. Just being able to get up, just being able to to dedicate the day to Jesus. That's a miracle in and of itself. It's a miracle that I have a house that I can live in with comfort. I was going to sleep last night and it was, it was pitch dark and quiet. And I was thanking God for being able to be in a quiet place. I, and we heard a plane go by. And I said, there are people who go to sleep hearing planes go overhead and wondering if bombs are going to be dropped on them. 
And at that time, I was giving thanks to God for the peace that I live in. Uh, most of the time, we are in situations where we least expect the blessings of God to come. But we should hold out our hope and say, God, I don't know what you plan on doing. But the one thing that I know is the plan you have is going to be great. Lord, I don't know what you plan on doing. But the one thing I know is that it's going to be unexpected. Lord, I don't know what you plan on doing. But once it comes, it's going to be in such a way that people are going to wonder how it happened. Lord, I don't know what you plan on doing, but I know when, the, when your favor flows down on me, flows down from the mountaintop and, and rains down on me with blessings so great that I cannot contain them, that I'm not going to be able to do anything but sh to shout praises to you. That's where I believe I am. I want you to be in the same situation as we get ready to close, I talked about how God revealed his, his, himself to me, but I don't want you to just take my word for it. God revealed himself to the world when David defeated Goliath. God revealed himself to the world when Isaiah defeated the priests of Baal. God revealed himself to the world when he saved Lot from the, from the sulfury fire of Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't want you to think that God just blessed me. God revealed himself to the world when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. God revealed himself to the world when the prison gates opened and, his, and the angel guided Peter to freedom and safety. God revealed himself to the world when he gave Paul uh, Paul and Silas comfort when they were in prison. God revealed himself to the world in the face of great obstacles, in the face of the Ephesus riot, in the face of constant trials, in the face of repeated sickness, in the face of multiple Im imprisonment. Paul never lost his faith in God. He knew that God was going to deliver him from the deadly peril so that they can set their, we can set our hope on him that he will continue to deliver us, that many will give thanks on our behalf. I want to be one of the people who say the same thing that Paul said, that many people will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted to us in the answer of, of the prayers of many. I want God to come down in 2021 and bless all the members of my family in a way that they know it was only by the grace of God that it happened. I want God's favor to come down on my friends in a way that they can say it had to be the grace of God. I want God's favor to come down on the United States of America. So all the other nations are looking to the United States of America and saying, how did that gracious favor get granted to them? And it's because the prayers of many came together, having faith in God, lifting up the name of Jesus, praying in unity for the, the pandemic to go away, the peril to go away, the restoring of families, the restoring of joy, 
the restoring of fellowship, the restoring of, of happiness that we had before as I leave 2020. That's my prayer that we as a people of God come together, put our faith in God. Those who have not put their faith in God. I'm inviting you today. Just try it. Just try Jesus. You only got 33 days left. Go on your knees and pray. Make that commitment for the next 33 days. It didn't, if it didn't work for the first 11 months, try 33 days of prayer and see what happens. Lord, lift up your prayers. Lord, come down from your mountain. Lord, deliver us in a way that Isaiah talked about. All the ancients of saints talked about. Reverend Stephen Zachary talked about. I want to see that same glory shining upon me. And when it does, I'm going to be another person who's going to lift your name up and your testimony of the great things that you have done. That's my prayer for each one of you as we go into the last 33 days and, and, and touch into 2021, that the glory of God will shine down on us, that many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us and the answer of the prayers of many of us. That's my hope for 2021 for each one of you. And I'm hoping that you pray the same for me. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Thank you to all our guests. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Stephen Zachary Minister Gilbert, the Arizona Message Ministry on Facebook. And feel free to send me an email to the message2.us or to my private website, stephenzachary.com. Thank you to Haribo Books for supporting us. That's HaribaBooks.com. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks.